Welcome to So Sorry for Your Loss. This is not your average grief group. I'm Gianna DiMedio. Thanks for joining me as we normalize the conversation around grief with the stories of those who've gone through it, a whole lot of humor, and a pinch of celebrity and entertainment news. Because fun fact, they grieve too. There's more to grief than that godforsaken dove flying over a willow tree on a sympathy card. I know you've seen it and know what I mean. Let's change the way society looks at it. Visit ssfylpodcast.com for more. Hello, I'm coming to you from sunny Southern California. We have been here for a little over a week and a half now, and we're just really absolutely loving it. I mean, what's not to love out here? It's just fantastic. We're in Laguna Beach, uh, smack dab in between San Diego and L.A., We have some friends in San Diego, got to see them. That was great. And otherwise, just enjoying everything Laguna Beach has to offer. The baby is really loving it out here. There's some really cute parks that the nanny's been taking her to. And she's able to meet some little friends and just be out in the sunshine. And she loves being on the beach. The sand here is so soft. And she just crawls all around. And I'm not afraid of her like slicing a knee open on a broken shell or some piece of glass bottle that somebody left behind like I would be on the Jersey beaches. (laughs) We're all really enjoying it. We just have this beautiful view of the ocean and I just feel so connected to my dad when I'm near the beach and near the ocean. It's like his favorite thing to do was go to the beach when he wasn't golfing or guzzling a bottle of wine. That man was on the beach. This is like where I like to think that he is. I think that he's sitting on some beautiful beach somewhere in heaven just enjoying his days and a cigar and a nice journey and he's just watching everything that's going on down here so this ability to like look out and see the ocean just makes me feel so much more connected to him it's the same way I I feel you know on other beaches or other places that we've been to whenever we're by a body of water I I feel like this warm feeling of being near him and ironically my husband has a very similar feeling with sunsets he says he thinks that his mom is able to see the same sunset which is so beautiful and being on the west coast here the sun sets over the ocean different from our beaches that we're used to on the east coast i have this feeling of being near my dad with the water he has this feeling of being near his mom seeing a sunset every day and uh we just feel really good it's it's been really really nice um i hope that you are also having a lovely week last week i did that quick little bonus episode which was fun to do check it out if you didn't and lots of great stuff with Jonathan Mark Medium from episode 19. He is really taking off. There's a lot of stuff that he's commenting on in regards to this infamous Gabby Petito case and where her boyfriend Brian Laundry is. So go follow his Instagram. He's he's keeping up with that and giving his feelings on on you know what he's getting in the spiritual intuition, what he's thinking. Today, another awesome episode, of course, of course, Dr. Lisa Lipman. She's one of the most followed followed and socially influential veterinarians. I somehow became connected with her on social media. I think she found out about me through a friend of mine that had reposted and her social content is awesome. She's a veterinarian by trade, but has a lot of side projects to promote healthy living for dogs, support for pet owners. When she's not making house calls to treat some of the most influential pets in the world, she's got some pretty interesting clients. Wait till you hear about that later. Some really famous ones. She sits on the board of Animal Lighthouse Rescue, an organization where the mission is to help the homeless dogs of Puerto Rico. And she's also has a podcast herself. She's a co-host uh, with a comedian, Richie Redding. They have a podcast called 
we don't deserve dogs. So true. We're really just not deserving of these amazing creatures, which by the way, my daughter's obsessed with dogs. It's like one of her first words now is doggy. So cute. And with all that, of course, she has her own Rhodesian Ridgeback. Chloe, you'll see her all over her Instagram. Dr. Lippman talks about her in this podcast episode too. And last but not least of all the work that she does, she co-founded an organization called Pet Loss Community. It can be found at petlosscommunity.org. I will link to that in the show notes. It's an organization that is similar to what So Sorry for Your Loss is, but for people that are grieving the loss of a pet, it's herself along with another veterinarian and a clinical psychologist. They're just creating this community to be there for people that are really struggling after the loss of a pet. And listen, I know that people that are going through it sometimes feel like this grief isn't valid because it's not a human, but I know how strongly people can be bonded with their pets. So Dr. Lippman today talks about that stigma, how to overcome it, and how you can care for your senior dog, how you can care for yourself when you know that the time might be coming, you know, what some options you have for end of life, and just really giving that care to your pet up until their final days and showing them love in in that manner. She talks about dying with dignity. It's just really beautiful. And then the last thing I have to say, uh, please don't hate me. I messed up the audio. I don't know what happened. The audio for Dr. Lippman is fine, and that is what matters. So... It's just a little bit lower on my track. I tried everything. I apologize for that. Uh, you know, I said it before. We're the, we're a one-man shop over here. Hopefully someday we're going to have that big studio in a beautiful place and there's going to be Funfetti cupcakes and Fruity Pebbles served daily. Uh, but for now, just me. Just me and my crunched up LaCroix can here working all hours of the day trying to get this sounding pretty good for you guys. And this is the best I got this week. I'm sorry. <laughs> But enjoy. Here is Dr. Lisa Lippman. First of all, all of your social content is amazing. I like, need to step up my game and be doing as much <laughs> as you do. But I imagine it's it was a, a slow build to get to to that amount of work. I know it's it's very time intensive. Yeah, I mean, I love your page. I'm obsessed. The second that I saw it, when a friend posted, I was just like. I love the concept. I love how you approach it. You have a, a look like an aesthetic, which I constantly struggle with. I've been, I've been on Instagram for, I've been building the page probably for about like five years or so. I mean, it started when I went really viral with a patient and I've just kind of nurtured it from there. So it's been a consistent amount of ton of work. (laughs) Tell us about that video. I'm not sure that I've even seen it. Yeah. So it was a a patient. His name is Samson, but he is known as Catchtradamus on Instagram. He was the largest cat in New York. He was in an article in the New York Post, and then he just went completely viral. And everybody wanted to know, like, why is he so big? Is he healthy? And who better to take the spotlight in that than me? So the owner was really happy to let me take the spotlight in a lot of the stuff. We had over 80 million views on the Dodo. We did everything from like TMZ, Inside Edition, Good Housekeeping. I mean, you name it, we did it. And so that was Samson. So he's... At the time, I think he was about 28 pounds. He fluctuates somewhere between 26 and 28. He's really, I mean, it was a lot of fun marketing. You know, I'm kind of little. There was a picture of me holding him up like this. And 
there was a whole thread on Reddit about it. Like, is this like, and we took those pictures before we even knew things would go viral. And there was a whole thread on Reddit that was like, is this really the world's biggest cat or like the world's tiniest woman? Or like, <laughs> look at the way she's just, look at the way she's like kicking her leg out. Like she's making him look bigger, you know, stuff like that. So yeah. So he's, you know, it's, he's a Maine Coon, which is w- one of the largest breeds of cats. And he's a big fluffy boy, but you know, yeah. is he the biggest cat in the world? Whatever. It's, he's, he's a lot of fun. He's very sweet and he deserves all the attention but he got some screen time for it. So speaking of getting love and attention, you have a sidekick yourself that you give a lot of love and attention to. Tell us about Chloe. Yeah, so Chloe is my uh, 10 and a half year old senior female Rhodesian Ridgeback. And uh, yeah, I have had her since she was 10 weeks old. Very long story short, I call her my quasi rescue. The Basically the breeder that she came from thought she would need surgery and knew me and basically said, if you can take her and, you know, take care of her and get this done, I'll just give her to you. So she was my puppy in need and I was the best person for the job at the time. So she was my very free puppy. Turned out she didn't even actually need the surgery. So. And did you know you always wanted to be a vet? How did you get into this field? Yeah, I have wanted to be a vet. I can remember. I think when I was little, I was about 18 months old. I had these neighbors that would breed Shih Tzu puppies and they would put me in a playpen with these Shih Tzu puppies and feed me chocolate. And I was just done for <laughs> I just ever since I can remember. And then when I was it's little, love puppies and chocolate. That's like, right. Yeah. I know Shih Tzu puppies are so cute. And every picture I would ever draw of myself when I was younger, I always had a dog with me, even though I didn't actually have a dog in real life. And so my mom finally felt so bad for me when I was around 10 and we got our first dog. I guess Jermaine to this podcast too, she, she died really early. So she died when she was like four years old, which was appreciating. Yeah. For me at the time. And it was really just fodder for my fire to pursue veterinary medicine and, you know, take a special interest in the disease that she had. Had you experienced other losses before that, or was your pet one of your first significant losses? She was really, I mean, I remember, I remember losing my guinea pig when I was in kindergarten. I would get, I had everything else under the sun before I had a dog and I had a guinea pig. I really loved him. And I remember when he died pretty vividly. I don't remember any, like I don't have a good memory for things in the past, but I remember when he died pretty vividly. And then she was probably, yeah, she was really probably my first big loss. Thankfully, I hadn't had any family losses or anything else like that. But that still like sticks with you, right? Like when you experience that. I think about it all the time. time. Yeah, really. Yeah, I I think about it all the time just because it's such a such a strange age, I think 14, 15, you know, the stigma around, you know, which I think we'll, we'll talk about, but the stigma around pet loss and you know how like I didn't want to go to school that day, but my mom was like, no, you're going to school. And to this day, I don't really know what the right decision was. I I don't know. I don't think there probably is a right decision for a lot of people, but yeah, I think about it all the time. It's really strange. So yeah, we'll definitely get into that. And like I said, you have a huge following on Instagram where Chloe is featured as well. Lots of pictures of you two (laughs) together, lots of videos talking about literally everything with animals, some really great advice. People have really flocked to your page for that. What's that been like for you to become this expert in a community and interacting with pet lovers all over the world? I mean, it's, it's a privilege. I mean, it's everything that I've worked for. I love the fact that I was able to 
go to vet school, have a ton of experience, gain a bunch of, you know, knowledge and insight and be able to share that with people because I know how badly I wanted that. And I don't think a lot of it exists on the internet. There are now some veterinarians who are getting more and more into it, building their own brands and stuff, but you know, anything to combat Dr. Google and people's fears and just trying to have people have pets and their people live their best lives because if pets are happy people are happy so pets were living their best lives over the last year with everybody being home and yeah. being virtual <laughs> and yeah. they're starting to see I, I i read one article about veterinarians are seeing an uptick in anxiety in pets as people go back to work is that something that you're seeing yeah for sure so we know that Separation anxiety is a, accounts for about 40% of all cases that board-certified veterinary behaviorists see, and we definitely know that an, an uptick in that is happening now. When you're with them every day and you don't leave them at all, it definitely can intensify their anxiety when you do leave. Certain things, you know, I was on Instagram saying how to prevent this, how to work with them now, which are, you know, just little things like even like leaving to go get the mail, leaving for a, a minute, just leaving your house and leaving them in other rooms if they're comfortable being there, encouraging them, you know, to be a bit more independent when you leave, giving really high value treats, leaving on TV or music for them and not making a big deal out of hellos or goodbyes. And, you know, if needed, installing the help of your veterinarian, either through like behavior and drug modification or, and training. Training is really going to be the mainstay of this for sure. So mm, yeah. yeah, all good tips. You are of course, an expert in aging pets and pet law. So that's why I'm super excited to have you on to talk about this today. You've created this course in uh, how to care for senior dogs and then a community about those losing their pets. With aging pets, how can you keep your pet comfortable if you know that the end of life is near? I mean, that's obviously a very difficult time for the owners, but for the dog as well, we're talking about love. You know, when you love this pet so much, like it's your own child, you want to do whatever you possibly can. So what are some of the tips to make sure that they're comfortable? Yeah. So, um, we do talk a lot about this in the, in both the senior dog thrive course that I have and the pet loss community. And so a lot of things that one of the things kind of what you're touching on is like anticipatory grief, right? Mm -hmm. So when a dog gets older, we know that the time that we have with our senior dogs goes so, so fast. And so making every minute count and making every minute the most comfortable is so important for them. And so I think the things that you can do to keep them comfortable just briefly would be, you know, making sure that, that you are seeing your vet regularly. When they get to be seniors, we usually recommend at least every six months catching things early, depending on their certain conditions. It's going to be really about keeping them comfortable through, you know, modifications in their environment, drug management, giving them all of their favorite things, things like that. And so, you know, another question we get asked often is, how do you know when it's time? And we go through a lot of that, but I would say, there are also really great surveys that you can take online. So Ohio State Veterinary School, if you just type in quality of life scale, Ohio State or quality of life scale for a dog, and it gives them sort of more objective measurements of, you know, are they, are they still living? 
a good life? You know, doesn't maybe necessarily have to be their best life, but are they comfortable? Are they doing the things that make them happy? Are they getting up to greet you at the door? Are they still eating? You know, how how is their movement? Things like that. So it helps give you okay. a little bit more of a objective measure there. And for listeners, I will link to that in the show notes, the uh, quality of life scale that yeah. Dr. Lipman uh, mentioned. So unfortunately, when it's, it is the end, there are the options that people have in terms of putting a dog to sleep or putting Mm -hmm. a cat to sleep. What does that really mean? And, and are, are there more than just one option to that? Like, what can people do? What are their options at the end of life? Yeah. So euthanasia very literally means good death. That's actually what it means. And, you know, I wholeheartedly believe in it. I I wish we had it for people. I think it is a very, it's just the most humane option. You know, after performing thousands of euthanasias between me and Dr. Monica Tarantino, we just, we see the, the peace and comfort that it can bring people when their pets are no longer suffering. I would say, Unfortunately, a lot of times if a pet doesn't pass on its own and it's then they're really suffering, there is hospice care. So there are a few veterinarians who really uh, focus on and are very involved in hospice care and you can seek them out. But ultimately, a lot of them do perform and recommend euthanasia when it's time. I would say the main two ways really for euthanasia to be carried out is really in the clinic versus at home. And so for people knowing that at home is an option, I think is a a really, really good one. And people have different views around that. So, I mean, for me, I think my pet is more comfortable at home. It's where I would want them to be. I mean, I've gotten, I used to do house call euthanasias and, you know, I've gotten into people's beds with them. They have like ceremonies, they have candles and music playing. And, you know, it's just like that, that's the way I want to go. You know, I want to go surrounded by the people that I love in a, in a controlled setting rather than, you know, death can be, can be hard. Death can be really hard. And a lot of time people wait too late, you know, with certain diseases, like, for example, like kidney disease, you know, I've had people say to me, like, you know, well, can I let them die on their own? It's like, you know, it's not ultimately, they wind up getting very sick, very nauseous, having seizures, that is not a good death. And so the the dignity and the peace we can give them, and I always say, you know, sometimes we suffer, so they don't have to. Uh, And it's really, I think, well, I think a last act of love, it's the one way I can guarantee that their pet is not suffering. Let me ask you this. Can other pets recognize when another pet in the home is either actively dying or has passed? Yeah. So I will say, yes, they definitely can recognize that. Do all of them recognize it? No. I mean, some of them will not really care, but then I've had to treat some for severe anxiety because they are such a bonded pair. And so I think it really depends on how bonded those animals are, but there's no doubt that I've seen like severe distress in some animals who lose bonded pairs. You know, I'll never forget also, I, horses can be very bonded and I will never forget it. Just a rotate, I really don't work with horses a lot, but in a rotation in vet school, we went to take a horse. There were two horses that were living together and we were taking the horse for euthanasia and we took the horse away. And I mean, the other horse was just running up and down the paddock, whinnying like crazy, just in really severe distress, losing their friend is just heartbreaking. So I think species across the board, I think species across the board really do recognize, you know, when they, when they lose a friend. 
Do you have tips of what to do for a pet that's in that situation? So like, for example, a family member, they had two dogs and they recently had to put one to sleep. He had cancer that was very aggressive and the the vet had said, you know, it's only going to be a matter of days or we can just, you know, handle this in the, in the most humane way possible, which is I'm glad to hear very much aligns with what you said. So for the other dog that's left, you know, what can the family do to, I don't know, can you help them understand in any way? Can you make them comfortable anyway? How can you change their life a little bit to make it okay without their partner? Yeah, you know, I think so much of that does depend on the dog. So certainly I think for every dog though, giving them extra attention, giving them some of their favorite you know, extra things, taking them out for walks, exercise, things like that, exercising their mind, things like puzzle toys and keeping them mentally as well as physically stimulated. If they are a pet that is really social, another pet or another dog may or may not help them. It depends. Some pets are very specifically bonded to that one animal, but some pets are just very social and sometimes adding in another dog may or may not help. So you have to really know your dog there. But I think I think probably just like with people, it's support, right? Spending time with them and being there for them, you know, trying to anticipate what what their needs might be. And and I'll say also, actually, just to add one more thing, I mean, sometimes, you know, behavior modification, or I'm a big fan of living, better living through chemistry. And so I think I have seen animals who are in such severe distress that we need to often use like some calming supplements or or drugs. Today's episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. You've heard me talk about how therapy has been an absolute life changer for me, like legit don't know where I'd be without it. So if you're on the hunt for a therapy partner, you need to check out BetterHelp. It offers virtual services, assesses your personalized needs, and matches you with a licensed professional therapist that you can start talking to within 48 hours. And it's even more affordable than traditional counseling. Speaking of affordability, they're allowing me to gift you with 10% off of your first month because I love you and I want to see you get the help that you need. They really make it so simple. So go check out betterhelp.com slash SSFYL. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com slash S-S-F-Y-L. What are ways that we can help owners prepare themselves for the loss of a pet? So if, you know, the pet was just diagnosed with something and they know that it's coming or there's a, a planned euthanasia, what are some suggestions with how they can bond with the pet or, or what they can do for themselves either before or in the aftermath? We talk about this a lot with anticipatory grief. And I think for me, knowing, you know, like I have a senior dog every day, I look at her and I'm like, you know, things happen so quickly with them. But really, the single best thing that I think we can do is just make the most of our time with them. So all we can do is make every day the best day and and know that. And I think that that helps combat some anticipatory grief there. But things that, you know, if really they are critically ill and really very close to time, then things that you can do, you know, there's a lot of bonding to be had and, you know, lounging around, knowing your pet, do they want extra pets and cuddles or do they kind of want to be left alone? Also food, there's a lot of bonding through food. So normally, you know, we do 
in, in dogs that are young and healthy, it's not how I encourage people to bond because, you know, obesity is definitely a, a very raging factor in our, in our country with our pets as well. But obviously when it comes to end of life care, bonding through food is, is big. And so getting them to eat, eating is the single most important thing. So a lot of times during certain diseases, we put them on prescription diets or things like that, but then there comes a point where they stop eating those or they don't want to eat those. And I always tell people, eating is the number one most important thing. And so whatever you have to do, chicken, McDonald's, like I don't care what it is, you know, as long as they're they're eating. So, so feeding them their favorite foods, basically okay. doing all their favorite things. I mean, I've seen dogs with bucket lists, you know, where they're uh-huh. at the beach every day or, you know, going, they love being in the car, they love being at the beach, you know, things like that. So, you know, knowing, knowing your dog, but those are some ways to. I've seen some dogs really living their best lives this summer, like hanging out the window, tongue out, just enjoying the sunshine and the air coming at them. Yeah. So really nice. Yeah. And hopefully owners are. We can all take a lesson. Yeah. Owners are really <laughs> letting, their, letting their dogs have at it this summer. So then when the time does come and you have to say goodbye to your favorite pet, which, you know, for many people, it's their family. It's it maybe the, the only person that they have in their life by their side in that way. What are some recommendations for what to do with the pet in memorialization. I don't, I don't know personally, like I I don't have a pet. I just know this affects so many people. Like, are there options at the vet to take the body? Do people, have you seen people bury them in their backyards? Is there a way to do something with the ashes? Like what are some creative things that you've seen people do? Yeah. Yeah. All all those things. So usually when a pet is euthanized, we it's very common for us to cremate them. And we usually give people the option of either communal cremation, which means that they're, they're cremated with other animals and they, they, they do not get their ashes back. There's also private cremation, obviously, which is a bit more expensive, but people will choose to privately cremate their animals, which means it's just that animal at that time. And then they get their ashes back and then they can memorialize those ashes, you know, just like they would with people, either keeping them in an urn or spreading them out or, you know, doing, do there are also, there are many commemorative services. Now I've seen people take paw prints of pets after they die and make, you know, a nice uh, memorial there, taking pieces of their fur, taking either ashes or pieces of fur and making them into jewelry kind of, or any other memorabilia. There is a company called Eternova who I really love that um, turns your pet's ashes into diamonds. Doesn't have to be with ashes though. They can actually use hair. I saw that Shark Tank. Yes, they were funded by Shark Tank. So I've known I've known um, the founder Adele. She's incredible. Um, she's an orphan herself, and she um, she started I think doing it for people. I mean, they do it for both people and animals. But now, yeah, they are funded by Mark Cuban, and they're just they're really really fantastic. I I do have a little bit about them on my page too. I think in a highlight. But yeah, so they will take a person's either hair or ashes and turn them into diamonds. So that's a a unique way to to memorialize them. People can also bury them. There are pet cemeteries. Yeah. So pretty much all the options available to to people are, are available with pets. The one thing I will say is just check your state laws or, or just don't tell me about it. Cause typically if a pet is euthanized, we have to be very careful of how they are either buried or disposed of because they have euthanasia solution in them. And we don't want that going into the, to the water supply. So I think there are probably also laws around spreading ashes, but I mean, I, I tell people, I mean, I don't, I don't know what I don't know. So I don't, you know, yeah. you do, do what you need to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Have you heard of anybody giving a funeral for their pet? Yeah. I mean, I, it's definitely less common, but there are, I have seen a memorial service for a pet. So I think it's more memorial services. I've never attended a funeral for a pet though, although I think we probably need more of that, but yeah, I, I I'm, I'm positive it, it happens. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> So we talk a lot on this podcast about signs from the afterlife. My dad is, is, is quite loud and comes through often, you know, and, and what I believe is, is truly him or his spirit sending messages. So do you think that's something that pets are able to do? Do you think that the soul of a pet can send messages from the afterlife? Have you heard of anything like this? Yeah. I mean, I, for sure. I mean, I, I definitely believe, I believe that too, just like you do. And I don't know if I can think of any specific examples off the top of my head, but I think it is definitely possible. I'm sure that's comforting. For <laughs> to know I, I think that... it is, if people actually, um, uh, Rainbow Raina, I think is her name on Instagram, where we talk about her all the time too. She is just a really phenomenal source of kind of believing in signs from the afterlife. You, you should look her up. She's really oh, fantastic. Okay. Yeah, um, She's just really great. She kind of comes at you from the rainbow bridge and talks about different signs and what to look for and just kind of uh, taking the afterlife to a whole nother level, but she's, she's really great. Awesome. We'll definitely check that out. And before we move on to the entertainment realm, any other messages for listeners who are grieving the loss of a pet or are in a phase with a, a senior dog where they know that the end might be near? Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I just, Part of the reason that we created the pet loss community was because really so little exists like it. Like I said, I have done hundreds or thousands of euthanasias and really have had very little resources to guide people to. And the stigma around pet loss is also so rife, right? So people deal with all the same emotions, guilt, grief, anxiety, and the, the stigma though is, you know, get another pet or it was just a pet or something like that. So it's really not something that everybody understands and we don't expect them to, but we do help them cope with it. And we've created an incredibly supportive community of, of strangers who all have this one major thing in common and we're all there to support each other and sort of destigmatize that part of us. So, yeah, I really applaud what you're doing. I mean, I, I think it's incredible mm -hmm. to be able to offer support to, to people that are going through pet loss because it is real. It is, it is very real. I mean, grief itself is hard and there are so many different ways that you can experience it. And this type of it shouldn't be overlooked. So I'm glad that people will now have this resource to turn to. And, you know, when you were just saying that last bit, it made me think of something, you know, with, I've talked about this before, where like a sudden death can be really difficult because you don't have that opportunity to talk with somebody to maybe, you know, clear the things out of your head that you've always wanted to say, or things that you do feel guilty about that you want to clear the air. I imagine that is the case with some people with pets because you don't get to talk to them really ever. You know, you don't get to hear your, your pet's version of what their life was like. Were they happy? Where did they enjoy, you know, being your pet and, and being in your life? And I think at the end of the day, you know, there's that quote with grief is just love with no place to go. Mm -hmm. We want to know that our loved one felt that from us. And that's yeah. what, what helps us feel okay in the end. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I think knowing that 
a lot of it is knowing your pet, right? Knowing when they're comfortable, you just see them in so many different situations. You know, for me, working in a hospital setting, also seeing animals who come to us and are basically Cujo with us, right? They, they want to take our heads off. They do not tolerate or like anything that we're doing or even who we are. And then their pet, and then their owners come in and they're just like complete mushes, you know, they're, their attitudes change entirely. And that's also why, you know, often we'll have critical patients and like they won't eat for us, but their owners will come, will often encourage their owners to come in and they will eat for their owners. And so there's, there is no doubt. I have seen crazy turnarounds, like crazy, crazy turnarounds. Their behavior with their owner is totally different. And so there's nothing more, you know, to me that signifies love and comfort than and things like that, than knowing, you know, how they're, how they're comfortable, what they like to do. Like I always say, you know, Chloe has, she's got preferences. The girl's got preferences, you know, whether I offer her two bones, sometimes I'll give her a choice and she goes for the same one every time. I mean, she's got preferences. They know what they like and when they're comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. All right, moving on to some pop culture and entertainment tie-ins. So you are a celebrity veterinarian. You've been on some very high-profile shows. You've been on Dr. Oz, Live with Ryan and Kelly, People Magazine you were featured. Do you have any memorable experiences from your time on, on those shows, you know, whether it's meeting a celebrity or interacting with a celebrity's pet, you know, what do you got for us? Let's see. Being on Dr. Oz was tough. That was actually a really tough, that was a tough episode. That was actually about some pet grooming deaths that had happened. And so it was a really somber episode. Deaths, and, are you saying? Yeah. So what had happened was the dogs had died while being groomed. Um, and so, you know, the, the question is, right, obviously, like, what what happened there? And, and I was really there to talk about how to identify a safe groomer. So these dogs may, let me just clarify, may or may not have died, you know, from, and I don't think that they died from the grooming process. They had underlying comorbidities that really should have been addressed before they were groomed. But you know, often, obviously we, we don't really know when we, when a dog leaves our hands, right. What happens. And so I was there to just address how to ensure that your dog is in safe care when you're sending them away to a groomer. And so, but anyway, he was very intimidating, very, very intimidating to dog too. There was one point, if you, if you watch the segment, there was one point where he says something like, he asked me like how to address, you know, and a safe grooming situation. And I say, you know, ask the hard questions. Don't be afraid to ask the hard question. He goes, yeah, you, he's something like, yeah, you can't, you can't do that or something like that. And I thought he was talking to me. So I thought we'd have to like, so I'm just, you just see me going, yeah. Okay. Okay. And like, I thought we were going to have to start over, but that Uh was not what he was saying. He was like a drug. He was like agreeing with me. So that was, (laughs) that was pretty fun. But I mean, I've been in some unique situations. We've gotten Mariah Carey's dog ready to go on all her tours with her. What does that entail getting Mariah Carey's dog ready? Well, every making it sure before it goes on a long bus rides. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, and when they go to every international country has traveling internationally with a pet is actually really can be very tricky and very difficult because every um, country has different requirements because we don't want to let in any diseases, right. That don't exist there or things like that. And so getting them ready. So when Chacha goes on her tours, they go to all different countries. And so we have to make sure that she's got all her health certificates aligned. She's ready to go. She's healthy, things like that. 
So we get her ready to go on her tours. <laughs> so Mariah Carey, who is absolutely fabulous, I mean, is known for being a bit of a diva. Did, did Cha-Cha have some diva tendencies? Chacha is so sweet and she's actually a Jack Russell terror. She's a Jack Russell terrier. I call them Jack Russell terrors. Um, she's tiny, but she's actually really one of the sweetest Jack Russells I've met. She's a really, really good girl. I'm trying to think. I think one of my favorite celebrities is Ian Axel from A Great Big World. If you know the song he sings with Christina Aguilar. He's got, a, I think he's got a new album out now. They're fantastic. They've been forever clients and I just, I just adore him and his family and, and his dog so much. So listen to that album. Yeah. <laughs> One of my favorite animal tales, and there is a pun intended there, is uh, that I wanted to share. Carl Lagerfeld's. Oh, right. Have you heard about this? So Carl Lagerfeld, oh, yeah. obviously the fashion yeah. icon of, of one of the, the very powerful fashion houses, his white fluffy Berman cat inherited his fortune. Or at mm -hmm. least it was rumored that that was the case. I mean, he's worth like hundreds of millions of dollars. And his cat named mm -hmm. Toupet, who is very widely photographed sitting on Carl's lap on his <laughs> private jets, you know, touring yeah. the world and all sorts of sorts of business excursions. So there's no real like information on, on what ended up happening with this, though it is rumored that the cat did get an estimated $3.5 million. Yeah. Oh yeah. What, what would a cat do with $3.5 million? <laughs> well, I think it's probably whoever is the decided caretaker of that cat and um, probably has a pretty good life making sure that that cat is happy, maybe contributing to, you know, charitable events, other some cats less fortunate. I can tell you at one point I was actually creating a shampoo. We did, we got a, an email from them, from their, her, you know, from Carl Lagerfeld's cats company um, saying maybe there was a potential way to collaborate, which was really interesting. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, didn't, didn't happen. The shampoos was a, a whole other story, but uh, yeah. So they're, they're out there, they're doing things and uh, making moves, I think is great. But I do think that actually brings up a really good point, which is a lot of people also don't plan for their pet, like they don't plan for their pets after care. And so making a plan, you know, if you are your sole caregiver of your pet it is really important to make a plan as to where the pet will go if you pass away. So I, it is really important to think about that when you have a pet, if you're a sole caregiver and you don't know where they go, because I have seen some really incredibly devastating stories where pets end up either in, you know, in shelters or in the hands of somebody that they, they should not be in. So. Oh yeah. That's really great advice. Really great yeah. advice. Thank you for that. And we'll end it there unless there's anything else that you would like to add. I think that's, you know, I just want to also express with the, with the pet loss community, I didn't say before, so it was co-founded by me and Senior Dog Doc, who we have the Senior Dog Thrive course together, and Dr. Katie Lawler, who is a clinical psychologist, um, and she specializes in pet loss and grief. She's at the Pet Loss Psychologist on Instagram as well. And so we really, we have her guidance, her clinical psychology guidance around all of these things. And it's just a really unique, highly trained, highly experienced group. And yeah, if you have a, if you have a pet loss, there's, there's a lot of different options for you there and we hope you join us. Yeah. Great for everybody to know. And Dr. Lippman, where can people find you? So I'm just at Dr. Lisa Lippman, D-R-L-I-S-A-L-A-double-P as in Peter M-A on Instagram. So yeah, reach out, say hi, and let me know what you want to see. And I will put it up there. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. I really yeah. appreciate it. 
Thanks for having me. Bye. Thanks for listening. Head over to Instagram to follow more at So Sorry with Gianna. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, leave that five-star review. I would love you for it. More to come on this season of So Sorry for Your Loss. So stay tuned.